Okay, so that concludes 20 minutes of silent meditation. I would encourage you to keep your eyes closed and join me in the third step prayer. We're going to do it one breath at a time with a few breaths in between each line. Just trying to actually apply what the prayer, what the prayer is saying. So the first line of the prayer to me is the word God. I breathe in the word God. And I take a few breaths and I continue that idea of calling out to God or to my higher power, or to something, whatever you call it. But just take a few breaths and continue calling out to God like you would call out to a friend. And I breathe out the next line of the prayer. I offer myself to thee. And I take a few breaths and I contemplate my commitment to that statement. I offer myself to thee right now. Do I really? And I breathe in the next line of the prayer. To build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. And I take a few breaths. And I think about what God might want to build with me or do with me today, right now. And I breathe out the next line of the prayer. Relieve me of the bondage of self. And I take a few breaths. And I try to imagine how quiet it would be if I had no bondage of self, no old ideas, no opinions. And I breathe in the next line of the prayer. That I may better do thy will. And I take a few breaths and I think about how much better could I do God's will if my mind was quiet and I was open. Read out the next line. Take away my difficulties. And I take a few breaths and I think about my day so far and what were my difficulties? What would I like to have removed? 
and I breathe in the next line of the prayer, that victories over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. And I take a few breaths and I think about the people I'm going to come in contact with today that I might come in contact with. And I think about how I might affect their lives and the people they come in contact with if I truly was an example of God's will, God's love, and God's way of life. And I breathe out the last line. May I do thy will always. And I smile. <laughs> and I try to see myself doing God's will for the rest of this day, starting right now. Gently open your eyes. Allow yourself to become aware of the seeing that's happening. Take a few moments. Continue the breath. God, I offer myself to thee. With your eyes open, living your life right now. These are thoughts which must go with me constantly. How can I best serve thee? Thy will, not mine, be done. So another way of that is, God, I offer myself to thee right now. What would you do with me? Who would you have me be? Would you guide me? And this becomes a way of life. Alcoholics Anonymous is not a way to stop drinking. It's a way of life where drinking isn't necessary. If all of my difficulties are removed and I'm going out into the world being an example of God's will and God's love and God's way of life, where would the drinking come in there? <laughs> where, where would it be necessary to drink? If I was walking around with God's will and God's love and God's power, being the man that I think God would have me be, the, the emotional pain that the ego causes me would not be in that, could not be there. You can't have both. I, I can't. I'm either in this relationship with this higher power and having the benefits of that, or I'm in the relationship with alcoholism and having the benefits of that. And there are no half measures. And so now I start my life right now, starting right now, breathing in God and breathing out. I offer myself to you right now. And, and the rest of the prayer is, in, is implied in that, in that breath, in that in and out breath. 
course, if I'm going to offer myself to God right now, if I'm going to offer all of me to it, of course it'll be so it could build with me and do with me as it will. Because <laughs> I'm offering myself to it. What are the options? <laughs> oh, I'm Randy. I'm alcoholic. I'm allergic to alcohol. I am a guy who's allergic to alcohol. And I'm here today because I have a disease called alcoholism. And because I had that disease called alcoholism, I had to drink alcohol because what I found for myself was that alcohol was the easiest to get best working over the counter treatment for my alcoholism. My alcoholism, what's been shown to me is that my alcoholism is a disease that centers in my mind. It has nothing to do with alcohol, except for that alcohol is a great treatment for it. It's a disease that centers in my mind that talks to me in my own voice. So I believe that that disease is me. And it manifests in my life all day long as an unsatisfiable, fault-finding, opinionated mind. That, and that mind is always in a hurry, easily frustrated and can't stand the word no. So I'm identifying that again today, day after day, day after day, sometimes, many times throughout the day. Because if I don't identify the disease, I'm not going to do the treatment. <laughs> because I won't know that it's the disease. <laughs> when it talks to me in my own voice, it's very seductive and it's very difficult to differentiate that voice from reality, that voice from what's really going on. I think I know what's happening and I think that's why I'm full of complaints all the time because I think that, that it should be different. But again, whenever I have a complaint, that's me saying, I know better. I know better. This shouldn't be this way. Uh, God, hey God, you're, you're screwing up again, buddy. I don't know, but I, I'm, I'm sure you have all knowledge and all power, but I think you missed this one over here. <laughs> so we're in the first step we're reading through the 12 and 12 in the first step we're, we're reading through the books to keep the conversation moving in a direction of recovery through through uh the, the 12 steps and uh so we're going to continue reading but this meeting is not about reading and this meeting is not about learning even though learning happens. It's not about learning. It's about being present. It's about prayer and meditation. It's about uh, coming to believe right now that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. And I can't. And I'm the wrong power for that job. That's what this meeting is about. But we read and, and get familiar with the words and the concepts and the ideas in the book and then try to apply that in my life is what, what I was shown and what I try to do. So we're on page 22 in the 12 and 12, if you want to read along. Uh, the next paragraph, it says, when challenged to admit defeat, I revolt. Did we read this last time? No. Right? No. Thank you, Annie. When challenged to admit defeat, 
I revolt. It said on the first, in the first paragraph that every natural instinct in me cries out against this idea of personal powerlessness. So it's just saying it over and over and over again in a new way. And I, I want to say this because this, I think, is the last time it talks about complete defeat. Maybe one more time in this paragraph. But uh, complete defeat is the thing that allows me to get to the place where my admission of personal powerlessness finally turns out to be the firm bedrock upon which a happy and purposeful life can be built. So if my happy and purposeful life is going to be built on my admission of personal powerlessness, I'm going to have to get to a place of complete defeat. It's not a negative thing. It's the best thing that ever happened to me. So this is not complete defeat in the way that the world sees complete defeat, that now you're completely defeated. This is getting to a place where I can be reborn. That's another word. That's a sentence out of the big book. That's not a Jesus thing that I'm referring to. But I need to get to a place where I can be reborn right now. And that's only going to happen when I get to the place where I see that on my own power, I'm a complete defeat at being happy and purposeful and whole in this moment. That's all. I'm not a complete defeat at driving my car. I'm a great car driver. I'm a self-proclaimed great driver. Dad let me drive in the driveway every Tuesday. I'm an excellent driver. I'm a great shoe tire. I'm a great shower taker. I take excellent showers. But while I'm doing those things, I am a complete defeat at being okay. I'm a complete defeat at being at peace while I'm driving my car. That's for sure. I'm a complete defeat at being okay while I tie my shoes with my own mind. Because I will find some fault while I'm tying my shoes. By the time I'm done tying my shoes, it could be suicide time. Nobody knows for sure how deep and how painful that tying of the shoes event could be. But I have been there where bent over to tie my shoes. By the time I sat up, I needed a divorce. I hated my life. And I, the, the pain of getting a divorce and doing all that was more painful than actually killing myself. So that seemed like a better solution. And all I had to do was tie my damn shoes. So when first challenged to admit defeat, I revolt. I had approached AA expecting to be taught self-confidence. I came here to learn some stuff. And I came here to learn how to not drink successfully because I thought not drinking was my problem. I thought drinking was my problem and I thought that if I stopped drinking, I wouldn't have all the bad luck associated with drinking and blacking out and, and leave, you know, losing jobs and all of the bad luck that comes with drinking. Then I was told that so far as alcohol is concerned, Self-confidence was no good whatever. In fact, it's a total liability. Until I could admit that I couldn't quit drinking, I couldn't quit drinking. Every day that I thought I could quit drinking was the day that I told myself I would quit tomorrow. 
because I could still do it and I was going to do it and I'm going to do it tomorrow. But today, it's, it's a little late. I'm a six pack in. I'm just going to finish off today. My self-confidence is a total liability when it comes to admitting complete defeat. My sponsors declared that I'm a victim of a mental obsession so subtly powerful that no amount of human willpower can break it. So subtly powerful. Those are two amazing words to be together. There was, they said, no such thing as the personal conquest of this compulsion by the unaided will. I'm not going to get through this on my own. I, love, I, I go to a couple of <laughs> meetings. I go to one meeting. It's a different program, but it's a 12-step program. And this guy always uh, identifies as a, uh, I'm, a, uh, I'm an atheist. I'm, I'm an atheist and I'm available for sponsorship for anyone who's an atheist. And I think that's lovely. That is lovely. That is lovely, but how do you get through this paragraph? <laughs> I don't care what you call this thing called a higher power, but there is something that restores us to sanity, and it's not me. And it doesn't matter what you call it. I don't care anymore. You can call it anything you want, and I know in my and I just turn that that is the one that has all knowledge and power, all power. And you call it by this name, and I call it by whatever name I call it. But... There is one who has all knowledge and all power. Call it what you will. Okay. Relentlessly deepening my dilemma, my sponsor points out my increasing sensitivity to alcohol, an allergy they call it. The tyrant alcohol wields a double-edged sword over me. First, I'm smitten by an insane urge. I'm smitten by an insane urge. I'm going to say that I am damaged by an uncontrollable mind that tells me that you're in so much pain that you need a treatment for this pain. And that's why I reach for the first drink. I don't think anybody slips in Alcoholics Anonymous. I think if you drink, you're drinking to kill the pain of alcoholism, period. So you have options. You can kill the pain with alcohol or you could turn, pick up the phone and call a sponsor or call a meeting or go to a meeting and start doing a little anything, anything. Willing to go to any length, the smallest length, but just do anything to turn to recovery instead of to the drink. But I, I don't blame anybody for drinking. I've done it. Many times after I came into the program, some days I would go to a meditation meeting on a Tuesday night and I would leave that 11 step meeting and go get a gram of Coke and some vodka and, and wait till next Tuesday till I could meditate again. So, but, but I'm smitten by an insane urge or, or an incredible amount of pain in my mind. that condemns me to go on drinking. And then the allergy of the body assures that I will ultimately destroy myself in the process. So I can't drink because I'm allergic, but I can't not drink because of this disease. Few indeed are those 
who so assailed have ever won through in single combat. It is a statistical fact that alcoholics like me almost never recover on my own resources. Well, it's a statistical fact for me that I have never recovered on my own resources. I have never been able to stay not drinking on my own power. I've been able to stop, but I've never been able to recover on my own power. And this has been true apparently ever since man had first crushed grapes. So I'm not the only one, yay. I'm not at fault. I seem to have been born this way. In AA's, uh, okay. In AA's pioneering time, none but the most desperate cases could swallow and digest this unpalatable truth. So in my pioneering with AA, I could not digest and swallow this unpalatable truth. I thought I had a problem with alcohol, and I thought that once I got rid of the alcohol, the problem would be gone. Even me, Alas Gasper, see, I didn't consider myself Alas Gasper. I thought I drove to my first meeting. I never went to a rehab. I never went to a halfway house. I never went to a psychiatrist who said I had alcoholism. I, nobody, I drove myself to a meeting because my brother thought maybe I had a problem. <laughs> <laughs> and he thought that maybe this would help me. And the meeting was a meditation meeting, and I was open to that. So I went. Even these last gaspers often have difficulty in realizing how hopeless they actually were. So, so some last gaspers, Michael Jackson, Robin Williams, um, Anthony Bardet, Bardine, last gaspers. Sober, last gaspers. They did not realize how hopeless they actually were and ended up having to take their own life over recovery. I'm a last gasper because my mind tells me sometimes when things go bad enough that I should kill myself. Sober, I'm a last gasper, sober. And these, they're referring to me, drunk or sober. I'm a last gasper. And drunk or sober. I have difficulty in realizing how hopeless I actually am. And I keep trying on my own power to restore me to sanity. Because of this, because I don't realize how hopeless I actually am. But a few do. A few did. A few do realize how hopeless they actually are. And when, when I lay hold of AA's principles with all the fervor with which the, the dying sees a life preserver, I invariably get well. So here's the lifeboat. Here's the life raft being thrown out to me. If I have admitted complete defeat, if I've admitted how hopeless I actually am at recovering on my own power, single-handed combat. If I'll go for this thing, if I'll go for this way of life with all the fervor with which the drowning sees a life preserver, I might get well. Others have, why not me? That is why the first book of uh, the first edition of the book Alcoholics Anonymous, published when our membership was small, dealt with low bottom cases only. 
Many less desperate alcoholics tried AA, but did not succeed because they could not make the admission of helplessness. So, so I would encourage you this week, during the week, to explore your degree of hopelessness at recovering from this disease, not from alcohol, from the mind-powered disease of alcoholism, on your own power. What time is it? It's 12 o'clock. I'll read one more paragraph. It is a tremendous satisfaction to record in the following years this changed. Hmm. Alcoholics who still had their health, their families, their jobs, and even two cars in the garage began to recognize their alcoholism because it's been shown to them. It's been shown to me. What's wrong with me? It's not alcohol. And as this trend grew, I've been joined by young people who are scarcely more than potential alcoholics. Some people see their alcoholism way before it kills them way before they have to lose everything. They are spared the last 10 or 15 years of literal hell the rest of us go through. Since step one requires an admission that my life has become unmanageable, how could people such as these take this step? One way is, is that I stop pointing to the outside life as the unmanageable life. When I came in, my sponsor made me write 20 reasons why my life was unmanageable and I was newly sober and all those 20 reasons related to alcohol and the damage alcohol had done to me on the outside. I didn't know anything about alcoholism and if he was talking about it, I didn't hear anything about it. What I kept hearing is just don't drink today and you're a winner. Go to meetings, work steps, get a sponsor. The first year is the hardest. Then when you get a year, they, you know what they tell you? The second year is the hardest. <laughs> then they tell you, you're a baby till you're five. And they just keep pushing the pain down the line. But they don't tell you what alcoholism is. Alcoholism is a disease that centers in my mind, that talks to me in my own voice. That shows up as an unsatisfiable mind, even when I get exactly what my mind tells me, is the thing that would make me happy. When I get that thing, I'm not happy. It changes the target. That's what alcoholism is. I have to admit that my life, what goes on inside of me is unmanageable. I can tie my shoes, I can drive my car, I can show up at work. But man, I'm in pain while I'm doing those things. I'm dying inside and, and on the outside I'm smiling and I'm going to meetings and I'm telling everybody how great God is. I'm going to stop there. I appreciate you all so much. I'll tell you why. Because I needed to read these paragraphs today for my life. And I needed to go deeper into my admission of hopelessness. And I need to be reacquainted with my uh, revolting against admission of powerlessness and, admi and, and admitting complete defeat. 
And I got to go deeper in my admission of my complete defeatedness right now. And that's, that's why I came here today. I did not come here to teach you about this. I came here because I need to be reminded of this. And I need to keep going deeper in it. Because if I don't, then I'm going to be what they call resting on my laurels. And I'm going to think I know some stuff. And I'm going to think I'm okay. And I'm going to be headed for trouble. So... Thank you for letting me share. We're going to open the meeting up now. If you want to share, you can share. If you want to ask a question, you can ask a question. Uh, I record the meetings and we're putting them up on Spotify and we're trying to get the Saturday ones up as soon as we can. Um, we're, we're pretty current uh, with all of the step stuff. It's all the Saturday meetings uh, and they, they all kind of have a a name like this one will all be called the first step, all these first step meetings until we get through it. So if you share, you will be recorded and it's played back so people can hear it if, if that's okay. If it's not okay, you can ask me to, to pause the recording and I can try and do that. All right. So first up is Dustin. Hey, Dustin, welcome back to here. Thank you. Hey, great to be back. Um, I haven't been here a meeting in a bit, and uh, so I woke up this morning, I'm like, man, I need a meeting, and I related to everything you said, you know, I really did, and, uh, you know, I constantly um, am trying to run the show, trying to regain sanity on my own power, and it's disguised, for me, it's disguised as trying to believe in God, you know, trying to re trying to manifest a reliance on God. I'm sure I shared this with you before. It's a broken tape. It's something I go through a lot, you know, but when I'm feeling anxious and uh, full of anxiety, I keep on thinking I have the power to, to, I can snap my fingers and bring my reliance on God back, you know? And it's great to be reminded from you that I lack the power to do that, right? I lack the power to do that, you know, but I, I always get duped on, okay, what do I do instead then? My mind doesn't even go there. I'll just spend the day trying to rely on God, you know? And um, and I like to practice this week. Like, what do I do instead of that? Because uh, I always, when I'm in anxiety, I always go there. Oh, yeah, God's in charge, you know, but that's not enough. I get to, I don't, I don't get that relief of God being in charge, you know? Well, I'm not saying I never do, but like today, I mean, I woke up early in the morning and I couldn't get that relief back, man. I needed a meeting really bad. Um, I need to be realized complete defeat and I'm completely defeated and I lack the power to manifest a reliance on God. But at the same time, I need a power greater than myself to be sane, to be in, to 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 be to regain sanity, to not live in anxiety, you know. And um, I also forgot what you wanted us to do this week. Already, I literally read. I, I really, I literally, you said it, and I was like, okay, what do you say? And I know it was regain. Like I don't know if you. I think you said try regaining sanity or relying on a power without with your unaided will I'm not sure <clears throat> but definitely if 
you got anything you can give me on uh, instead of trying to rely on God when I'm in anxiety, you know, manifest a, a faith. You know, how do I get there another way? I know it's all on. Yeah, it's, in, it's, on, it's in God's hands. Yeah. Yeah, what you're talking about is skipping step one and going straight to step two. I want to be, I'm trying to get restored to sanity, but I'm still relying on me because I haven't admitted complete defeat. If I don't admit complete defeat, all that talking to God is me trying to get God to do it my way. It's a weird, it's a very weird thing and it's very subtle, but it starts with, oh yeah, look at me. I can't manage my inner thought life. I'm a complete defeat at being okay now. And I have to admit that before I can start praying for help. Because before I admit that, I start telling God, help me with my anxiety. Well, how do you know that it's your anxiety you need help with? I used to pray to God to help me with my, to be, to have patience in traffic. God, please help me to have patience in traffic. God, I was always praying for God to remove, to help me be patient in traffic. And then one day I got a message And it said, leave earlier. So my problem wasn't traffic. It was my problem was time management. My problem was leaving too late. It wasn't the traffic. If I leave on time, the traffic is no problem at all. It's just traffic. But I never leave on time. I always leave at 12 o'clock for a 12 o'clock meeting. Then I get all upset because there's traffic. Well, if if one light turns red and you're late, it's traffic. (laughs) One red light. So it starts with complete defeat and and works its way up from that. Rick? Hey, Rick. And I'm an alcoholic. Hey, Rick. Thank you, Randy. This is great. Really good stuff. Um, I was a high-functioning alcoholic, and I could not make the admission of hopelessness. For the last eight years of my drinking career, I spent trying to negotiate with the bottle, thinking that was my only problem. And my first meeting... My soon-to-be uh, sponsor said, no, you crossed the line. Go put your butt in the seat. There's nothing I can teach you here to see you can go back. It's all about going forward and you're not drinking anymore. I'm like, what? No, I didn't come here for that. I came here for like the tips on how to go back. There is no going back. That was the one thing that I hadn't tried yet. One thing. And um, hopelessness, that was the, what it ultimately came down to is I was out of ideas. I had nothing left. It was the last thing I wanted to do. Ironically, it was the most painless thing to do. It was the weirdest thing, but it was less painful than all the things I was trying to do to negotiate with the bottle over eight years. I just said, I don't have this. I'm done. And, uh, you know, I'm coming up on three years. All because of my higher power. Nothing to do with me. The only thing I do is, or remotely do is just try to turn and just say, I don't have it. Please help. You know, let's uh, let's work on this. So I am grateful to my AA team here, and I'm grateful to my higher power. And I'm grateful to be here today. Thank you. Thanks, Rick. Beautiful. Welcome. Scott. Thank you so much, Randy, as always. Scott, definitely an alcoholic. Hi, Scott. Uh, I'll feather right into the two previous shares. Um, I try to read 60 through 63 every day. But after reading this, this needs to be before 60 and 63. Hmm. Oh my God, does it. 
Um, I was so damn lucky. Oh, my. I drank before I went to an airplane to serve people. I had that down to a science. I knew just how much to drink on a layover that I wouldn't test positive. Oh, for 40 years. But my luck ran out. My wife of 37 years said, no more, no more. You're not lucky anymore because I can't live with you. Mm. And I went into a hotel next to the airport and I thought I'd celebrate and I'd go get some Popeye's chicken because I haven't had Popeye's chicken in 30 years because she didn't like it. And I was sick to my stomach eating this greasy stuff. But I kept that package and put pieces of it in my suitcase. So every layover, I would see what I had come to. Step one, oh my God. Then when I retired, I didn't see that anymore. But Facebook, Facebook for my anniversary, would put a picture of that miserable Popeye checking package up on Facebook reminding me of the anniversary. Wow, this this is more important than 60 through 63. Because as Dustin shared in your response, you need to come back to how miserable it was. And if you don't do anything, it keeps on getting miserable. Anyway, wow. Thank you as always, Wendy. Thank you, Scott. All right. Next up is Colin. Thank you, Randy. I'm Colin. I'm an addict with alcoholism. And, um, yeah, I really, really enjoyed that session today, Randy. I, I loved the first step. I, you know, I admit my powerlessness every day in the hopes that one day I'll actually accept it. Because I think admission is a cognitive exercise and acceptance is unconscious. And I still struggle with that all of the time. You know, I was talking to my sponsee or one of my sponsees today who celebrated 18 months clean. And he said to me, oh, not drinking has become second nature to me now. Mm. And I had to think about that because I thought, yeah, it's second nature to me as well now, not to pick up. But that doesn't mean that my first nature is still an addict and an alcoholic. You know, I was reminded of a, of a story that I heard a long time ago, which has come back to me in recovery. It's a story of a, a scorpion and a frog that get to a river. They arrive at the riverbank at the same time and they both want to cross the river. And the scorpion says to the frog, let me jump on your back, you swim across the river, and then we'll both get to the other side safe. And the frog says, no, I'm not letting you on my back because you'll sting me. And the scorpion says, why would I sting you? If I sting you, you'll die and I'll drown. 
so we'll both be losers. And the frog thinks about it and says, okay, jump on. Halfway across the river, the scorpion stings the frog. The frog starts to go down with the poison and he looks at the scorpion who's now drowning and says, why did you do that? Now we're both going to die. And the scorpion shrugs and says, I'm a scorpion. It's in my nature. That's me as an addict and an alcoholic. My first nature is to destroy my life. I depend on God to give me this second nature and to allow me to live in this second nature, this new character. And I can only do that with his help and his guidance, minute to minute, moment to moment. The fact that I have a second nature now can never hide from me the fact of my original nature and where I am without God. Anyway, it was lovely to listen to you, Randy. Thanks, Thank you for letting me share. I'll leave it there. Thank you. Okay, Julia. Hi, hi, Randy. Hi, Julia. Hi, everyone. Julia here, alcoholic. I want to say last gasper. Um, Yeah, that was really helpful. You know, I've heard you speak a good amount, you know, over these years of pandemic and in the past as well. And today, you know, when you talked, you said that thing about you're tying your shoelaces and you're just tying your shoelaces, but you never know how it's going to go. And the amount of suffering that you can get into in your mind just doing this simple thing is excruciating. You know, and I think I heard you more clearly today because a lot of times, you know, I mean, I, I, you always help me when you talk, but some of the stuff that you name is not the stuff I directly identify with, like the cars and the wives and the money and that shit. I feel like I kind of, I mean, not wives, but I've had cars and money. And like, I know that's not going to fix me, you know, like I kind of, it's not where I go, but the self, the self immolation, the inner tension, tensioning is just hell, you know, and you just, I really identified with you today in a way that I, 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 I always love your message, but I sometimes don't, like, identify. Like, I don't sometimes feel like, man, he's just like me. Like, I've got the thing that he's got, you know? Exactly, you know? Anyway, so I really, I mean, I'm having a very painful day because mm-hmm. I was in a, my home group this morning, and um, an ex showed up on the meeting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like one of those things where it wasn't my head because I know what happened, and I'm glad I'm not with him, but it's in my heart or in my nervous system or some other faculty in my body. There's just this raging fire of hell that's connected. A lot of it's unconscious. Like I remember the um, that great line in the eighth step where he talks about the distortions that exist below the level of consciousness that distort our, that warp our whole lives or something like that. Like that's that's kind of the sort of description I think of what what comes up you know in me sometimes it's unconscious and it's emotional and it's really painful and um, you know the thing about admitting complete defeat is that when I when I'm in pain 
I I can admit complete defeat. And like today, I, I wasn't quite immediately mm. getting relief. But what happens is, I don't know how to say this. I I guess it's basically that I judge myself for needing to admit complete defeat. And then the judgment is another form of control. Like any f- level of throwing shade on my own condition is still self-will mm-hmm. and it's still not admitting complete defeat mm-hmm. because I'm in self-judgment on mm-hmm. some level mm-hmm. and that's where the pain is and that's where surrender is not mm-hmm. and then that's where God is not mm-hmm. you know but it's it's just um I don't know you know it's it's deep the stuff is really deep and so far now in our practice today I feel a lot of identification with you, mm-hmm. a lot of commitment to the practice, um, and I still feel in pain. Mm-hmm. And staying with myself mm-hmm. in that kind of pain of seeing the X is okay. Like, it's just, it's some kind of, you know, timeless broken heart. And, like, it's okay. It's just, there it is. You know what I mean? And it doesn't mean that I'm not in God and it doesn't mean that I'm hanging on to self-will as long as I don't judge myself for having it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The, ju- the judgment is the control. Anyway, you really helped me today. And I also wrote down that thing about, I love your, your um, reiteration of, uh, you know, we were smitten by an insane urge. And you translated that, I'm damaged by an uncontrollable mind. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's it. I have an uncontrollable mind. And I'm not going to get control of my mind by perfecting my seated practice by focusing single-pointedly on my breath. Like Mm -hmm. that kind of discipline is not going to work for me. Mm -hmm. Maybe for some other yogi in the Himalayas, but not for me, you know. So, but that's me. I'm damaged by an uncontrollable mind. And you said incredible amount of pain in my mind. And that is what I have. And I just feel like it's really good to name that with you guys because I think we are all on the same page with this. Like, mm-hmm. I have it. You all must have it. Because if we're all here listening to Randy who has it so clearly, we must all have it, you know? So anyway, it's, it's, it's a bitch. Mm-hmm. And, um, but there is, a, you know, there is relief. Mm-hmm. And it is God. And um, anyway, thanks for listening. I think I really needed to get that out. Thanks, Julia. You said something really important. Uh, I want relief from what's bothering me. And I ask God to give me the relief from what's bothering me. But all I really need to do is rightly relate myself to God. Not ask it to remove it, but just say, look at me, God. I'm feeling jealousy again. I'm feeling anger again. I'm feeling resentments again. I'm a resentful person. And just in the admitting of that, that is the admitting of complete defeat. That is not trying to change it. I might always be have that reaction when I see an ex. I might always have that. That's okay. I just admit to God that I have it. But if I try to beat myself into not having it, and try to get God to pray it away for me so I don't ever have it again, that's where I'm not admitting complete defeat. That's where me saying, no, God, you got this wrong. This didn't work out right, and I'm going to be in pain about it forever until you fix it. That's not how it works. It's, it's admitting 
right now. Look at me. I still am angry. I still am jealous. I still have these. I'm still, I still want that thing. And I think that that thing will make me happy, whatever it is that, that you relate to. But, but that's, it's in the admitting, but I'm not wrong for that. That's just the way I was born. I'm not at fault. And God doesn't want me to punish myself, not one minute. Every time I, I talk bad about myself to myself, that's the disease winning. God does not make failures. That's my experience. Uh, Eric, you're up. Oh, did I unmute you? Uh-oh, I released you from the page, so I can't find you now. Will you raise your hand again? Oh, there you are. Okay. <laughs> okay, there you go. Thank you. I'm Eric, and I'm alcoholic. Hi, Eric. Um, wow. Boy, that, uh, that talk really uh, hit me between the eyes, you know. Um, uh, yeah, it was uh, it's so funny. I was, I'm speaking tonight on the 10th step, and I was this morning thinking about, you know, what do I have to really bring to the meeting today? And, 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 and I was going over, you know, just the, how, how I'm present today and, and, and how my ego has just been smashed in every conceivable way that I can imagine over a period of time. And, uh, and then you started talking about the admitting complete defeat, you know, and it's just such an amazing uh, message for me today um, and, and how it is. I'm experiencing it right now, what I've been going with, what I've been going through is that I start talking and then my mind skips and then I forget what I'm saying and then I get stressed and I start to feel anxious and I get frustrated because I can't remember what I'm trying to say. And then it turns into some bizarre thing that I need to give to God. It's, it's this, you know, something I'm completely powerless over and, and, and I just can't turn it off. Um, and so the admitting complete defeat of, of, uh, Whatever it is, losing my train of thought, um, you know, feeling like I don't have self-confidence in certain things, you know, which you read about as well and, or in this paragraph, um, and, and so many levels of that, uh, that yeah, I don't know, I've lost my track now, but um, not beating myself up about it too. You know, where am I going to go from this moment? You know, am I going to turn it into self-pity or am I going to go to a solution that uh, for 29 years I've been carried by my higher power that I have so much hard evidence that I am cared for and loved and, and, and a abundance flows to me and through me and, and, and love is, is very accessible to me. Um, and, and I can express that and, and I can have purpose around that, you know? Um, so anyways, 
Um, on Wednesday, I brought up that I'm uh, facilitating a new meeting. It's on Mondays. It's an 11-step meeting. Um, we're going to meditate for 20 minutes. We're going to have a, a reader and a leader who will carry us through meditations, and, and, and it's going to be different every week. It's all inclusive for anyone practicing 12 steps, so I'm going to post uh, in the chat the details of the meeting, and it's going to be live as well as Zoom. And uh, so I hope to see you all there, and uh, thank you for giving me a little time to speak. I love you, Randy. Thanks, I love sir. you all. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, sir. I will be there. I want to go there in person when I can. Uh, Shakith. No. Hey, I'm Shakith. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Shakith. And, um, well, I needed to hear, hear this reading this morning, too. Uh, it really uh, reminded me how, you know, you know, no, uh, no human power can facilitate my relationship with a higher power. And, um, you know, the, the part with the drowning uh, man reaching for a, a life preserver is drowning. Does I have to, I have to go for this thing. Um, I have to want it because uh, the only thing that changes subconscious behavior is prayer. And um, I can, I can pray, and you know, I'm. It says I'm 61. I'm, I, I can be, you know, modest and self-sacrificing. On the other hand, I may be egotistical, selfish. And dishonest, but you know, I'm more likely to have very traits. And it, the thing is, though, I'm still selfish and self-centered. If I'm if I haven't admitted a complete defeat, and I'm trying to uh, pray, um, and when I'm trying to pray, there's two parts to prayer. There's a petition and a performance. I usually don't want to do the work necessary. I had people next door making noise. I would rather call the police and do it from the comfort of my in my room than to go out there and without any preconceived ideas of how things might go, go out there and have a conversation with these people with a power in order to be able to um, make a simple request instead of a demand. Yeah. Um, so, you know, being, being able to set aside everything I think I know in order to be able to have a new experience. Mm -hmm. And I can also always put in whatever I may be going through in the middle of that, you know, in, of that, of that set aside prayer in order to be able to, to, to have a different experience with something mm -hmm. and to see that, you know, it's probably some work on my side that needs to be done instead of the, uh, you know, the easier, softer way, which I'm always opting for. Anyway, uh, thank you for letting me share. Thanks, Shakith. Elizabeth, you're going to have to stay on after the meeting and talk with me because we're out of time. I'm sorry. Everybody, I appreciate you so much. Thank you all for coming here today so that I could read this paragraph so that maybe I could hear something for my life because I promise you I needed this as much or more than anybody that came here. And I love this program and I love these words and the way they're put together and the meditating and the prayers and all of it. And, and um, we're going to do this again on Wednesday. We do it on Monday night, too. I don't know why I don't announce Monday night, but because most people are not in the time zone where Monday night works. Um, 
We're having a retreat in April. If you want information about that, it's randymermel.com, just my name, the way it's spelled on the screen there. And that's it. Oh, I'm gonna stop this recording. Okay, so we're gonna have a moment of silence and then I'm gonna make it so you can unmute yourself and we'll do the serenity prayer together. And if you wanna stay on, I have uh, about 10 minutes after the meeting, I can hang out and we can chat a little bit more about everything. So take a moment of silent meditation. If you'd like to unmute yourself, God, 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 God,